Hey everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm James, that's Katie, and of course, that makes this episode 27 of Circles and Squares. And happy April Fool's Day, everyone. We are recording on April 1st. This show is no joke, though, right? Uh, You know, we're not trying to fool anyone with this one. But um, there was a really great thing, Kate, you saw earlier today. I sent you that Bloodborne cart was the best April Fool's gaming joke ever. I mean, I'm still holding on to hope that it's, you know, like some of those April Fool's jokes, they start like, haha, so funny. And then the developers are like, we've actually released it. Um, So here you go. So I'm holding on to that small shred of hope. But if you haven't seen it, you should look up the videos because holy shit, like someone put in so much work. It's like it's janky and it's hilarious and like the videos out there are fantastic. <laughs> it looks like someone legitimately took like the Mario Kart 64 engine and let, and put Bloodborne sprites and textures and stuff in it. Like it, it's pretty quality. And I think it looks like it's actually playable just from like the clip that I saw, I guess. But. Yeah, exactly. And like they had, they had two, you had a hunter character you could play as, you could play as the cleric beast. Like someone put in some work to this and like they deserve all of the recognition. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, you know, <clears throat> as much as we'd love to continue to talk about April Fool's Day, we just don't have time, Kate. We got so much to talk about, um, including the games we're playing, of course, uh, for the first part of the show. The second part, we'll move into a new section, including some very sad news about the PS Vita and the PS3. Um, to close out the show, we'll be doing Return of the Famous Quiz, where I don't even know what the topic is. It's a, a surprise for me, but uh, Kate has prepared a lovely quiz, which I can't wait to take at the end of the show. And then, of course, uh, we will be closing out with listener mail as we usually do. Um, but I guess, Kate, we'll start off and I would like to tell you about Monster Hunter Rise, which is the the hot newness of the video game industry, I guess, of the past <laughs> week. Um, I've been playing this quite a bit. I think I put like 15 hours in in the first two days. So it's like I didn't expect wow. to fall down quite like a rabbit hole like I did in this, but uh, I'm really, really enjoying it. So a bit of backstory. I played Monster Hunter World when that came out a couple years ago. And I really liked it for for what it was. I'd never really played Monster Hunter before. And it's it's a really cool game, right? Like definitely a flawed game in a lot of ways in terms of like how the online works and and whatnot for Rise or for uh, for World, sorry. So I, I really enjoyed that. I think I put like 50 or 60 hours into that game. And so coming back to Monster Hunter Rise now after that world experience is, is a lot different uh, in a lot of ways. And there's a lot of familiarity there as well. And so... Um, it's been kind of interesting to go through and play this and have that kind of comparison now between which one I liked more. Um, what I will say is that obviously this game is a lot, it's on the Switch, right? Like it's not going to be as ambitious graphically and visually yes, and everything. That's right. This is the Switch exclusive, but it's not just like a, it is its own game, right? It's not just like a, a remaster, or like a port of one of the other games. It is its own exclusive game from it what is, I understand. Yeah, yeah. It absolutely okay. is. And it's definitely it's definitely not like this kind of thing where you should be worried about like, you know, this is a, this is the switch It's going to be a smaller experience It's going to be worse. It's going to be a less than kind of kind of game because it really isn't that. And I think that um, as long as you can get over, you know, obviously this is this game's in 1080p and it's not, um, you know, those high end higher end graphics like you had on the PS4. And, and um, uh, so as long as you get over that, it's it's been a really great experience so far. And what I really like the most about it is that in Monster Hunter World, you would drop into the map and these there'd be these humongous environments, um, oftentimes like lots of varied locations. Like they were they were fun to explore, fun to look around. But the time it took you to to go like, you know, drop into the world, then you have to track the monster. You have to find like, oh, there's some scratch marks on this tree. It might have gone this way, you know, and you and you have to almost find this evidence of where the monster is before you can go fight it. 
And, you know, that's cool the first couple times, like it kind of builds the ambience and builds up what the game is, but it, it just ends up taking a long time. And I, and I guess what I'm trying to say is this game is a lot more like dauntless in that way. And that's a game we've talked about before. Like you can, <laughs> you can drop into the map, you know, in, in Rise and you can be fighting a monster within like 30, 40 seconds if you want to, because they just, they just are on the map and, and it kind of cuts out that, that downtime that you can sure you can still go explore if you want to you can still go look around and collect items and you really need to do that because there's a lot of crafting and a lot of collecting that you need to do to to upgrade your inventory and whatnot but the at the end of the day you just get into the fights a lot quicker in this game and that's something that i really really appreciate because that's what i'm here for kind of they've kind of streamlined the the formula of the game a little bit yeah absolutely and and it's not just the fact that you can see where the monsters are and you don't have to track them they've also given you a lot of movement options in this game which is the the big clear-cut difference for me here so they've introduced a new mechanic um called the wire these wire bugs and these things are uh they're they're like almost like spider-man webs that you can use to move around like you can use them to oh, wow. kind of zip you, in different directions do you really do you really feel like you're spider-man <laughs> oh god no <laughs> this ain't no miles morales let me just let me just be clear right. but but just the fact that you can uh kind of move vertically a lot easier is is a game changer because a lot of the the problem going back to to world would be like well I can I know where this monster is now but he's on the other side of this mountain range so I have to run all the way around like you know around this mm-hmm. environment whereas in this game it's like well this guy's just over this hill I'm just going to zip up this hill right over the environment and and get right to the monster and and you can really move around very quickly and and the environments are designed in in a more vertical way so the map might be a little bit smaller in like in like area but the way you can move around and go up and down and and get around much faster is uh i think like a, a really good trade off in that way and and to also um add to the to the wire bugs is you have a second um companion in this game too so for monster hunter players that you might know you have your kind of your character and then you've always had a sidekick um, or at least in world you did called a palico, which is like a little cat kind of guy. And he's like your assistant and he, he helps you in combat, heals you a little bit and stuff like that. Um, but you also have a new, a new wolf kind of companion in this called a palamute. You can, you can ride him now. So you can actually have like a mount, which increases your speed even more to get around the map. Um, so those two things in conjunction just give you this movement, which is unlike world in in any other way that you could, you could think, and you can just get around so quick. I love it. And they also help you in combat too, the Palamute. So I, I'm really enjoying that part of it. And the other part that's really been a surprise to me too is how good the online is. Uh, because it's on the Switch, right? You're expecting some some hiccups there on the online. And especially with World 2 going back to that, is like it had this horrible problem where when you wanted to try playing online with your friends, you had to all make sure you'd you'd kind of watch this these cutscenes before you could enter the missions. And if if one person had kind of done this before, the other person hadn't yet done this mission or watched the cutscene, you'd have to wait for that person to do it by themselves and before you could even join them. And in this game, they've just gotten totally rid of that, and you can just jump into whatever mission you want uh, with your friends as long as they're in the same lobby or you have a friend code or whatever. So they've they've really just made it a lot easier, and and um, mm-hmm. especially because this game for me is is very much a social game. Like I I do I'm gonna play the single player. I'm I I mean it's fun, right? But I, but definitely what what keeps me coming back to a game like this is when my friends get into it and everyone's like, oh, you want to hunt? Like let's work together. Let's let's team up and take down these monsters. Like that's where this game really shines, and and the Switch really lets us do that in a way that I wasn't expecting it to work as well as it does. Wow, that's awesome. That's really high praise because I, I think like it sounds like they've learned a lot from World because I can see like part of the the slow pacing of that game with the like preparing for the hunt and you know going out in the tracking like that stuff appeals to me. 
in a way, but I, I can definitely see it starting to feel tedious, uh, especially if you're playing with someone who's maybe already done some of the missions before. You're not quite in the exact same like progression of the game. And that's the, one of the nice things. Like I have played a bit of, of Dauntless, which, oh, thank you for saying it first. I always call it Duelist by accident. And <laughs> Very I, different I made I saw that you were going to talk about Monster Hunter today and I knew Dauntless would come up. So I actually made a note saying like, do not say Duelist. <laughs> <laughs> it's my only note right now. Yeah, but yeah. Um, like that game's fun. And like you said, like it's so easy to just pick up, do a couple missions and, and you're on your way. Um, so it's nice that they've kind of streamlined it. I, I think that the slower pace probably is going to appeal to some people. Um, and I'm sure there's people with like hundreds of hours in the game that that feel like stripping that away or, or simplifying that is going to kind of take away from it. But I think it's likely that the average person is going to appreciate some of those like more, more decisions that make the game a little bit more concise and a little bit more like action focused all the time. Yeah, well, that's totally it. And the thing about Monster Hunter is it's, it goes against a lot of the grain of what I like in games a lot of the time because I mean I've been on this show now for long enough preaching about how much I hate grinding and like repetitive stuff having to do the same thing over and over again in games and and the thing about Monster mm -hmm. Hunter is that's really what you got to do a lot of the time because to build new armor by the way the armor in this game looks really cool like the armor and weapons you can craft like man the designs oh, are designs I mean, are awesome that to me is the big sell of those games like fighting the monsters is cool and whatnot but like just some of those like the the art direction for the weapons and the armor is so incredibly cool like that to me is what really appeals about monster hunter yeah but the thing is to get to get those armors you need to fight the same monsters several times because you need to get enough of their kind of parts you break off and enough of the the loot that you get from them so monster hunter really does quickly become a bit of a grindy game because you have to fight like <laughs> the certain same monster over and over again right and and i think right, that, there's only so many <laughs> that's right yeah and so for me like getting into those fights quicker is a lot more appealing because at least you're not grinding the tracking every time you know and so the fighting is what's fun for me and so I think I can see myself liking this a lot more just for that reason, especially because it's like, like I said, the online is just so much easier. It's way more appealing to get into. Um, as far as the single player stuff goes, like this game is is kind of neat in that way too. Like it has two separate quest lines, one for single player and one for multiplayer. So you really don't have to do, if you don't want to play this game single player at all, I guess you wouldn't even really have to do that if you just wanted to do the, the multiplayer stuff. Of course, doing the single player gets you like, um some new unlockable npcs kind of in your oh. town and 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 whatnot so is there it, is is it like two separate campaigns single player it and is yeah it is oh okay is. i was always under the assumption um that it was like a campaign and you could either play it single or so like or yeah. um online well that's what it has been up until now as far as oh, I, like, okay. as far as i know so this is the first one where like yeah there is the main campaign you go through and those missions are only meant to be done by yourself but then okay. with the, the multiplayer hub, you can do, uh, I mean, the story is not like, not as uh, in depth as the single player story with the multiplayer one. And I think they had mm -hmm. to make it that way because then you had that whole problem of like, who's watched the cutscenes, like who's so far in the story. Yeah. Whereas now it's right. just kind of like some flavor text from some NPCs, an occasional larger dump of story. And then more so it's just like you post the quest you want to do and then your friends can join you in the multiplayer area. Um, oh, okay. regardless of where they're at in the story. So so it, it's not like a really cohesive thing. You'd really sit down and play through 
you know, and get really into the story that way. Like, I don't even know what, what the story's trying to tell me in the single player one, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it, the hunting's way that you're, you're there for, right? Like, in the, I started up right. the, the single player. I'm, I'm a few missions in now. I've kind of got past, like, the intro level missions in terms of, like, the single player content. And it's one of those games where I don't know how they expect you to know what's going on unless you get into wikis or you've played since, like, the very first Monster Hunter because the game is just a combination of cryptic and it's a combination of like you play for the first five minutes and you've heard 2000 proper nouns and you have no kind of <laughs> way to figure out what they all mean. They're dropping names and places and names of monsters and, and, you know, just different things around the town. Like, Hey, go to the canteen. Like you should go, you should go check it out. Like, okay, well, where is it? I don't know. You got to find it. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, it having re I'm having remnant yeah. flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Um, but I mean, as cryptic as it is, it, it, you're not there for the story, or at least I'm not. Uh, so that's fine. Um, speaking of crypticism, though, uh, that's that's one thing I do have a problem with Monster Hunter in general is the game is the game has very good tutorials for what it wants to tell you about. And in fact, it actually explains a lot of stuff twice because you'll go to uh, like there's this one NPC and, and she's kind of like the, the quest giver. So you'll go mm -hmm. talk to her and, and she'll be like, oh, hey, like, good to see you. I'm the quest giver and I've got lots of missions from people all around town. And she'll kind of <laughs> tell you all about what she's there for. And right. that's great because that, that that's helpful. But then when you click her again the next time, a tutorial box pops up and tells you basically all the information she just gave you. But in a game <laughs> tutorial, and it's right. like, why are you telling this me is this the twice? Quest giver. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I know that she just told me. And then it so it doubles down on explaining some things. But then there's other things like certain items, like the barbecue spit, for example, which is like a thing you can pull out while you're exploring, and you can, um, if you carve any meat off of monsters, you can kind of cook it up and then use it as a resource. And and it, oh, it'll, that's um, nice. It's like. It's like camping in Red Dead. You cook your meat and then you just put it in your pocket for later. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I, once I'm done putting the meat in my pocket, I can use it as, as an item while I'm fighting a monster. That makes sense. Yeah, exactly. You're, you might be hungry in six hours and you know that meat's going to taste exactly. wonderful Exactly. I even keep some rancid meat in there if I haven't cooked it in time. <laughs> it's all good, though. Uh, but the thing is, the game never even tells you about the barbecue spit. Like, you just have to know about it. And thank God I do from playing... The playing world but if you don't know mm -hmm. you just would never use it you would never have any idea what it does so I, right. I think there's a disconnect there and like monster hunter is is i mean even if you know what everything does which i i don't know like i have a couple friends i'm playing with that are way more knowledgeable and they just kind of say hey you should you know make sure you have this on you for this monster because it's weak to this or or whatever item mm -hmm. and i'm slowly learning these things but if i didn't have those people to play with i would just i feel like i would just be in, in wiki after wiki after wiki kind of looking up like what these items do or like how to use them properly and and it's i don't know why they make it like this i guess it's just like an accepted thing like this is what monster hunter is this is kind of what it's like um yeah but I, it's just kind I of annoying i can see maybe some of the design philosophy being like you're supposed to figure these things out like i make sense in terms of like items that are like oh i don't really i found these berries i don't really know what they do and like maybe you're supposed to kind of like and this is just me spitballing i haven't played these games yet but like i could see it being you found some berries, you don't know what they do yet. You got to try to like use them in a couple ways and like figure out what's going on. And like that to me, like that kind of like, it's on you to to sort of like problem solve and, and experiment kind of makes those sections where you're like between missions and prepping more interesting. But mm -hmm. if it's something like a core mechanic, like barbecue food, because that's how you heal, that's that's pretty important that you should should be aware of and you shouldn't have to like, guess yeah. so i i think maybe like 
there there's like a few a couple different categories of things that that like should be explained versus um are left to the player to sort of explore on their own and and maybe they didn't always get those Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. everything correct in the right category (laughs) yeah no it's so true but i mean at the end of the day though despite that it's still super fun like i'm i'm using uh, i was an archer in the last game so i've I've changed it to be a hand-to-hand combat this time i'm I'm using the sword and shield which i'm absolutely loving as a weapon uh it's cool Mm -hmm. because it has like the the blade so you can do some some slash damage or i think it's called like sharp or cut damage or whatever it is right and then um i also have my shield which i can use for defense but i can also kind of bash guys with it for a blunt damage attack and so different kinds of damage will do different things to different parts of a monster where if you usually if you do like blunt or bash damage to their head you can give them like you can knock them a out basically you can cuss yeah. them right <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whereas with slash damage, you can kind of cut off different limbs or their tail or whatever to to you know when you remove it, they can no longer attack with their tail or if they have a special ability on the tail or something. So it's it's a really versatile weapon, and I like it because it it synergizes with like one of my friends likes to use the hammer, which is obviously like not sharp at all, but it, but it's mm-hmm. really good for the head. So in that way, then I'll go for the tail. But if I'm if I'm playing with a friend that uses a sword, I can kind of play the other role and and right. do the opposite. So I'm I'm really enjoying that. And just the team synergy, like playing together, a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely recommend it. Um, my only other complaint I have is that playing on the Switch, I have not realized just how heavily I use PlayStation parties on on PlayStation or Discord on on a computer to like to play the game and have the the audio, all the audio in my headphones, right? And mm-hmm. playing on the Switch is just like, oh my god, it's, it's horrible not to have any kind of voice chat. <laughs> there's no like nice integrated way to do that. Yeah. No, there's not. Like we we're playing on Discord, which is fine. It works. It works great to chat. But the problem is then I've got my headphones in and I can't really hear the game as well as I would like to. And it's like it's such a first world problem, I guess. Like, like what was us? <laughs> yes. but, the, but once you've had the convenience of like these these integrated party chats and like 3D surround sound, you know, like it's just it just kind of sucks to have to go I back mean, to that. Yeah, exactly. That's what you're used to in there. It's kind of like the only platform that doesn't have something built in for convenience. And if you're going to offer like an online service now, especially with games that come out that are like designed to be played online and not just like as a secondary like afterthought, then like maybe that's something worthwhile to look into. And it's almost kind of strange Nintendo hasn't done it. But at the same time, it makes total sense that Nintendo hasn't done it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) Maybe one day, maybe one day, but uh, yeah, Monster Hunter's been good. I'm going to continue to play. I think I've got some plans to play some tonight, so so uh, we'll nice. see how much I hunt. I, I feel like once I get to the end game, maybe that's where I fall off, but you never know. They add a lot of DLC to these games and a lot of new monsters and stuff, so. Yeah, so, the, uh, the world DLC, like, I, it sounds like you probably missed that based on when mm-hmm. you played it, but that Frozen World DLC yeah, was yeah, supposed to have been born. really good. Yeah. Apparently it was, yeah. Apparently it, it was was pretty good. It's just by that time, like, I, it's the kind of game, like, once you yeah. fall off of it and you kind of get out of the loop, you it's really hard to to pick up and go back to, at least, like, for some, for me, it, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, happy to happy to be playing this one though. Um, I am playing one other new game at the moment, which I'd like to talk about really quick. Um, is Kind Words, which I don't know if you know too too much about it, but it's basically for those that don't know, is a Steam game. It's a couple bucks. I think got it for like five dollars. And basically, all it is is sending nice anonymous messages to strangers on the internet. And let me tell you, like it is, it sounds kind of dumb, kind of the hokey. inverse of the real internet. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if you don't want to read Reddit comments of people being mean to each other, you can just uh, go on here. But it's it's great. You can either send like 
you know, random like, oh, hope you're having a good day, just like out into the ether. You don't even know who's going to read mm-hmm. it. Um, or you can actually go and like search for people's more more like crafted letters and people can actually post, you know, oh, hey, I just got fired from my job and I'm feeling kind of down. Like, what should I do? Or and uh, it's just it's just kind of nice to to be able to say something nice to someone who just anonymously, you know, uh, doing the same thing in reverse too. Like I've put a couple notes out there, you know, about some stuff and just getting that random advice from strangers and kind of having that optimism, like people in the world, there's some people at least that care about, you know, making the world a better place. Maybe maybe that's kind of cryptic. I think most people do, but you know what I mean? Like just Mm -hmm. trying to spread that positivity and and, um, have that kind of positive community. Like there's no, I've never seen anything negative on there. Like no one's no one's making inappropriate jokes or like being mean or kind of trolling. Like it's really genuine and, and heartwarming. So I've, I've just really enjoyed that experience. And uh, it's got some nice, like that lo-fi music going on in the background and, and you can put cute little stickers on your notes and stuff. Like it's, it's cool to just pop into five, 10 minutes every couple of days and, and see what's going on and, and just get that nice bit of cheer. So yeah, enjoying it. That, that does sound wonderfully wholesome. I remember when, when you first mentioned, I was like, what is, I've never heard of kind words, but now that you talk about it, I do remember seeing like when the game was first revealed, I guess game is sort of like a loose. Yeah. It's not term, really a but game, like, but when, when it was first like, you know, announced and just looking at it, it's like, it's such a wholesome and wonderful thing. And I think that like anytime it doesn't have to, you know, 2021 obviously is like, you know, maybe more people are in a bit of a lower place than than would be otherwise but it, regardless of like you know what the world situation is or you know what each individual person may or may not be going through like if you think that this is negative in any way you're unreasonable <laughs> like <laughs> this is just it's so nice and like yeah you don't understand like what even if it's anonymous and even if it's like you know vague or even if it's just so simple as in like hey i hope you've had a nice day today like you you deserve it like those kind of words can have such an impact on someone. Well, absolutely. And- right. Especially in a world where you're talking to a lot less people these days. Like, it's not like you're even going to the store and, and a lot less or something and, you know, Oh, have a nice day. Yeah. You too. Like, you don't, you just miss that, you know, and, and even getting it from somewhere kind of um, unconventional, like a game, like kind words is still, it's just a positive experience. That's all I can say about it. Yeah, like exactly. it's really perfect for what it's trying to do. So shout out exactly. to you. Kind I, I think that's lovely and I'm glad you reminded me of it. I think I should pick it up and for, you know, it's $2. It's like just a, like a nice reminder that we should all care and love each other. And oh, that's so nice. You should. You should. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, those sound like two very different experiences, but both very worthwhile. Oh uh, yeah. You know what? I, it couldn't be any more different and especially factor in that I've been playing Disco Elysium as well the last couple of days. Um, actually, speaking of Disco Elysium, maybe I'll just mention it now. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not going to be talking about it on the show. Um, just because you're also planning to play it and we're planning to, uh, go radio silent from each other because the game is just so expansive and crazy. And, uh, once we're both finished, hopefully in, you know, a month or two, whatever it takes, uh, we're going to come through and do a whole episode just focused on Disco Elysium and our experience there. So look out for that in the future. But so far I will say that, man, this game, um, worth the wait. That's all I'll say. (laughs) Um, anyway, Kate, what have you been playing? Uh, well, my games have been a little more simple, uh, recently. I've been kind of playing a lot of like well, 2D roguelike action platformers, like oh, all those all those fun keywords <laughs> that bounced at you. Um, but I want to talk specifically about Skull, the Hero Slayer. So it's a newer game, um, newer like indie game from it's actually from a Korean developer, Southpaw Games, which um, they're new for me. Uh, but this game like really took me by surprise, and I think it is so wonderful and charming. Um, 
probably the most similar game I can compare it to is like something like Dead Cells. Yeah. Now this uh, was on is, one of those presentations, right? I'm just looking at it was recently. Yeah. I, I yeah. remember I think it was one of the presentations we we spoke about and it was kind of one of the games that we shouted out to keep an eye on. Um so it was it went through a bit of like an early access period. It has a full release now um on Steam. So I've been playing it and it is like it is it is surprised me and it has surpassed my expectations. Like this game is really fun and it is full of a lot of charm and creativity which i think is nice because this is a, is a genre that's becoming really flooded right now um everybody wants to be a roguelike action you know like yeah it's like fighter the new platformer like it is it is very popular right now but i think this one stands out as something really to worthwhile to jump into um so it actually kind of reminds me the aesthetic is is sort of and it is not the same art style, but I think it's partially the music. It reminds me a little bit of Maple Story. It really does. <laughs> Which it, cracks the, me up. You know what it is? Is I'm looking at it right now, like some screenshots. The, what what shouts Maple Story the most to me is the the platforms themselves and like the um, yeah, the, the grass and the floor and and like when there's a kind of one of those black boxes with just like dirt around the outside and you and it's like. That's so Maple Story in the way it yeah, looks. Yeah, 100%. And um, so it has like kind of four, well, four and a half, I guess, areas that you have to fight your way through. And you go through a bunch of sequential rooms, um, which each one will have usually like a, just a bunch of enemies that, that you fight. Uh, and then there are like resource rooms. And then you'll have a mini boss and a final boss and you'll go to the next area and it kind of repeats. So the areas are, are quite different from each other. Um, they're kind of like, it's nice to change environments um but it's the first area specifically that's very maple story because it's kind of like an outdoors like wooded there's like trees you fight like that kind of stuff um but it obviously doesn't play very similar to maple story it is really good like the the combat feels really responsive uh which is nice uh and it's also quite fast paced so it's one of those games where it starts out very like overwhelming because Oftentimes you have tons of enemies on screen. Um, they're all doing various different attacks that you have to to learn and figure out what to do. You're typically quite mobile as well. Um, so it starts out with one of those like, oh my God, there's so much on the screen. Like you almost feel like it's an MMO and you're going to be button mashing or something. But after you you do a few runs, it kind of starts to slow down and click and, and then it becomes very tactical. Um, so I like that. Your player character is this adorable little skeleton. Uh, who looks fantastic because the game has this like beautiful pixel art style and it, it's pretty light on story the idea is that like you're a skeleton you're part of like the, the demon faction uh and then you're fighting your way to defeat the evil king and, and like the hero of of humans so it, it's got that cute reverse i guess where you're on the demon side and you're fighting humans hmm. um but it's it's pretty like bare bare bones, haha. <laughs> Got <laughs> In him. terms of story, got him. <laughs> um, but the the neat thing about this game and its main gimmick is the skull feature. So there are just under I think about like forty types of skulls, which is quite a lot. Um, and each one is really unique from the other. So you always start out as the skull, but as you go, you'll be collecting and picking up different types of skulls. And each one you get completely changes how your character plays. So they'll have different abilities. They'll have different move speeds, different basic attacks. Even their their um, their dodge and roll will be different. So like a heavier one is going to be 
slow. Uh, it's not going to move you as far and it won't have as good iframes, but it'll do damage on the dash. Whereas like a mm. speedier skull will dash a lot further and it'll be better for evasion, um, but it doesn't do damage. So like each one you get really changes things. And I think that's kind of like what keeps the loop and replaying feeling fresh. Yeah. So are you because picking these up like as you go? Yeah, so it starts out really, um, you just start out a skull, he's, you know, yourself, the main character. And as you go, um, each room you go to will have like a different reward. So it'll either be uh, like an item, which you can have a few of equipped and they do, you know, different stat upgrades. Like this one gives you attack speed, you know, and the next one gives you mm. like magic damage and it, various things. They get kind of complicated and they actually um, have a really good system for that. I'll touch on a bit later. So you either get that, you get money to spend it at shops you'll find throughout your run or the third thing and the most exciting thing is you'll get a random skull so you either can equip that skull or you can turn it into a resource that you'll use later to upgrade other skulls it sounds kind of complicated but it's really just sort of like you know it, it's random what ones you run into so some runs you'll be like oh cool like i got this wolf skull i'm gonna i'm gonna be this like werewolf character and then later on you you get something else and you're like oh i'll switch it out like now mm -hmm, i'm mm -hmm. now i'm this knight so it's cool because you, you have to tackle things differently based on what you find right that's such a staple of these kind of games now like, i'm thinking just back to hades like just you have to take advantage of the the boons that you find just like the skulls in this i guess and play like a certain way even if it's not what you would have maybe wanted for the environment or sometimes it works out really well yeah exactly i would say that this game like each run feels a little bit different um to hades hades is is maybe a little bit more polished in terms of of the gameplay and they've kind of centered around your your weapon is is really what changes things so i guess the skulls are this game's implementation of something like that where like you know you play very different if you have the bow in hades versus mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. you take like the, the fists yeah. whereas in this one okay you have an archer skull so now you're doing ranged bow combat versus like you know now you have um like a like a melee skull that like a minute like one of them's a minotaur and he has like a little like punches he does and stuff so and he's got like a bull charge so they do different things um and on top of that they all look like absolutely gorgeous they are drawn with so much character uh that they're they're really compelling and I so, agree. It looks awesome. Like the graphics have me interested. Just yeah, just the graphics absolutely. alone. So like my favorite thing and what keeps me kind of coming back for runs is that um each skull you can kind of upgrade as you go. So like there's four tiers. They go from common to rare. I think common, rare, unique, and then legendary. So some just start at certain tiers. Like every now and again you'll go on a run and you'll just find a legendary skull and it's like holy shit, like jackpot. This guy is so strong. But what's really neat and makes not all the skulls feel like bad to get or it kind of like makes the RNG not feel so bad is that every skull you can upgrade to legendary. So if you start out with a common skull, one that you might find early, you can use a resource to level them up and they get up to the final tier. So the skulls that start out not feeling very strong you can build them up to that higher level. And with each time they upgrade, they get some different abilities or some different like bonuses. And they also like actually change how they look. So one of mine, for example, I don't want to say too much because I think that's my my main draw is like, what happens when I upgrade mm -hmm, this guy? Mm -hmm. What is he going to turn into? Um, Almost but, like Pokemon. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like Pokemon in that way. But like my favorite I'll, I'll point out is... Um, 
Well, one of my favorites is one of the things I think is most like unique and creative is you can get a clown that he starts out and he's got a little jester hat. He's cute. And he throws like cards and he can throw like Jack in the boxes that explode. And then you can level him up. And then all of a sudden his next one, he's on a unicycle. (laughs) (laughs) He gets a little stronger and he rides around. He's like, now he's a jester instead of a clown. So it's got a lot of cute charm. Um, One of the other standout skulls I will say, and this one starts out legendary. So unfortunately you can't upgrade it, but uh, it's like a rock star. Yeah. So she she like plays music and like drops amps and stuff. Um, but she's got this mechanic where she slowly builds up a song meter. And then once it's full, an entire like punk band shows up and they play on the screen and like just deal massive AOE damage. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> and so there's there's tons of those things where like it, it's kind of wacky. It's got a really good like lighthearted atmosphere. Um, and they're just they're super fun to kind of discover and, and try out all these different different skulls um so the the replayability is is really good and then the item system i won't get too much into it because it's a little bit complicated but it um it, it's really nice too like trying different items together that synergize and and maybe kind of play make you play in different ways as well and it, it's just fun to go through i think it if to get all the way to the end takes about maybe like an hour and 15 minutes ish mm-hmm. So they're kind of longer runs if you get all the way, but it, it genuinely is quite difficult. So you're not going to make it to the end anytime yeah, yeah. soon. And even <laughs> if you do finish a run, like it's not like Hades where I finished my first run and then I, you know, I finished the next four in a row. It's like you, you beat a run and then you're like, oh shit, I died to like the third boss again because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. It's like the exception to the rule that you're going to make it almost. Yeah, exactly. So that'll kind of lead me into the, into the couple cons I have with the game I, I think it's it's got a fantastic design and it it is really worthwhile but there are definitely some things I've, I'm noticing some cracks um after having played for for quite a while and I think there's a bit of a balancing issue unfortunately well like some and skills better than the other ones some are just inherently better than others um typically like a lot of the legendary ones you find or there's a couple legendary ones that are just like they're so strong they have moves that just like basically hit everything on the in the room and just do tons of damage just inherently um, even if you don't have great items whereas other ones like they're fun to play and as you level up like they do start to feel stronger but some of them never quite get to that level where they're just able to destroy anything Mm -hmm. so that's kind of a shame Um, and then the other issue I have is there's a currency that you get while you play and it's kind of it's kind of like um how darkness and the mirror work in Hades, where it, it's a currency okay. you you then spend on like permanent upgrades. So things like you know you have a little bit extra max health or um, some extra damage, and then they get up to like higher tier things that are quite expensive. Like you can get a, a res a resurrect, so mm-hmm, it lets mm-hmm. you die one time and come back. And uh, it takes quite a while to save up and buy everything. It's very expensive. So at first it it feels tough to kind of get the ball rolling and to upgrade. Um, but then the other problem is I find that you, once you do have everything, that currency isn't really adapted into anything else interesting. Mm, so you're kind of just stuck so, with all this all this resource that you can't really use to something else for something yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Like there are some other cool implications to it. Like there's, um, you run into different shops as you go and you can buy like a health, like healing, or you can buy a new item. Uh, and one of the things, there is a little vendor that shows up sometimes and he lets you buy new items that you can only spend with this um, like permanent currency. 
-hmm. And so what's really cool is you get the item, but it also then starts showing up in the regular shop for the regular uh, item currency. So it's kind of nice where like you're unlocking these like maybe more special or unique items to have. Um, so that that's kind of cool, but there aren't tons of those. And once you have everything, you just end up getting all this currency that that you can do nothing with and it's useless. Mm. So it's kind of it's not a big deal because they think like, you know, this isn't the kind of game that maybe you put 50 hours into and you end up in that spot where where you've kind of unlocked right. and done yeah. everything. So I think most people won't run into that issue. But I think it's just something that like, especially after having a played a game like Hades, that's so well thought out and so polished that like there's tons of stuff to do, even if you've kind of like, quote unquote, completed most things. Yeah, for like that super it, fan that really wants to dig into everything the game has to offer, right? Yeah, exactly. It feels like a little bit of a shame to kind of run out of things to do. And and then, you know, the motivation falls off. Like, well, I've kind of seen everything. I've, I've bought everything. Like, I yeah. like the game. It's fun. But I, I, there's nothing else to that. Like, I don't have a goal anymore. So I think this is the kind of game where, like, you know, it's maybe best at that kind of, like, 10... 20 hours ish to put in and like beat it and then you know see all the skulls and and then maybe you're you're kind of done like i admittedly think i've played a little bit more than that but i think the average person is probably going to play it for that duration and for the like 20 dollar price tag and the quality of how fun the game is i think that's perfectly fine it's just not going to keep you as enthralled as, as something like hades or like the the top tier games in this genre. Mm -hmm. It's more like supplementary if you really like the genre to go check it out in uh, yeah, you know as exactly. an addition. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, but I I fully think it's great. I think it's got a really challenging level of difficulty. Some of the bosses are really cool. Uh, the second boss in particular, I really like. Uh, I won't spoil it, but she reminds me a lot of um, a boss in Hollow Knight, which oh, yeah. I found very exciting personally because we know how much of a, of <laughs> yes. a Hollow Knight fan I am. Yeah. Um, and and I highly recommend it. But yeah, I'd like to try it at some point too, if nothing else to, than just for the graphics of it, just because of like, yeah, those nostalgic Maple Story kind of feelings. It's like, man, mm -hmm. I, I'd like to play something that looks like this. Um, and especially if you say it's fun, like, yeah, it looks uh, interesting. I'll, I'll add it to the list of potential, uh, you know, the backlog, the ever-growing backlog. <laughs> the ever-growing <laughs> list of, of, of things to yeah. do, yeah. Once I'm done playing another 60 hours of Monster Hunter and probably another 50 of Disco Elysium and, uh, you know, yeah, I'll fit it in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, like to me, and I've always preached this, and, and I think it's just a weird me thing for gaming, but I always have like one game that's intense and I have to really like, okay, I've got two hours I can sink into it. And that's my Sekiro right now. Like, yeah, I, I, like, I want to sit down and I want to properly play it. But then I also like to have a game, at least one, sometimes two, of games that are like a bit more chill and kind of relaxing. And it's like, oh, I've got an hour free, like, what do I want to do? Like, maybe I'm going to listen to a podcast at the same time or like, you know, maybe, maybe I just want to like relax before bed. And this is that game for me. <laughs> Sounds like a good one. I don't know. Um, anyway, Kate, you know what? Let's take a break and we'll come back right afterwards with the news. So please don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll talk to you in a sec.
All right, and we are back for the second part of the show, which, of course, is, uh, as usual, the new segment, Kate. So let's get right into it without any further ado and talk about uh, PlayStation Plus for April 2021. Of course, for those of you joining us for the first time, uh, we each like to pick one PlayStation Plus game every month to to play and talk about on the next show and just give a little bit of a review uh, on what we thought. So for April 2021, the selections we have to choose from, uh, it's another pretty good month for, for PS Plus, Kate. I know we've had a couple really, really strong ones uh, the last couple of months. So this one as well is, is pretty good. I think it um, maybe not quite as exciting for us personally, but we have um, Oddworld Soulstorm. Yes, the game we've heard about about on every PlayStation state of play since the beginning. <laughs> <Yes>. um, <laughs> uh, Days Gone and Zombie Army Dead War 4, which is quite the title. Um, how are we feeling about these, Kate? I think this is another, like you said, another strong month. I think personally for me, it's weaker just because... There has like the last couple months, there's been at least one, sometimes two titles that have stood out as games like I've already actively had on my to playlist. Um, whereas there isn't one in this month. Yeah, I'm, so I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I'm a little bit less excited about this one, but I still think that that it's a quality month and it's just an unfortunate selection for me personally, I guess. Yeah, I, I love to see that we, we're getting another because uh, Oddworld Soulstorm, of course, is, is PS5. Like, I love the trend that they're putting, you know, one almost new PlayStation 5 game on the PS Plus. Like, it, it's it's trying to add well, to that value, I, right? Yeah, and I think this game is new. Like, Oddworld is not out yet, right? I think it's like its debut yeah. is like free on PS Plus and also, I guess, buy it if, if you haven't subscribed. Yeah. Well, exactly. Just like Destruction All-Stars <laughs> and whatnot. Like, it's cool there. They're putting these, these brand new PS5 games on there, even if they're not like A-list, you know, huge games. Like, they're still giving you something new that would otherwise be, you know, a, a new release. It's not like you're playing a game from a year ago. Um, which yeah, I think is pretty exactly. cool. which is new because like we've had a lot of um, like big PlayStation games go on PS Plus. But it's usually like at least a year or so after they've officially been released. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this is like, you know, day one, you've got it. So that, that's really cool. And I, I appreciate that they're doing that, um, I, which I guess leads me into that. If I had to pick one, I would pick Oddworld, which I know we've talked about it before. And we, we kind of both come to the same conclusion that Oddworld is a game that it's sort of a niche series um but it's really beloved whereas both of us have never really played it we don't really it just seems so weird and i've almost got more of like a curiosity about the game is like i want to know why people love it so much versus it particularly looks appealing to me yeah yeah i feel you i I kind of want to want to try it out just more out of out of curiosity than than anything else yeah no that's fine i i was I was considering Oddworld um, for the same mm-hmm. reason as you, basically just like, hey, what the hell? Like, why? What is this? <laughs> you, you know, like, yeah, it's so um, weird. But but yeah. maybe maybe it's something you really need to like play to understand. And well, I did briefly play um, New and Tasty. I think was the other one. I, it was on PS Plus, I believe, a little while ago, which is why I played it because I would wouldn't have bought it. Um, I I don't know. I didn't really play too much, but maybe I'll let you let you take that one. I I personally think I'm actually gonna go Days Gone um mm-hmm. here i i don't know I, I think it's just like the pick that interests me the most in terms of this is actually like a, a pretty big playstation game like it's obviously mm-hmm. not an a-lister but it's it's a pretty big one and i feel like having the perspective and just checking it out would be probably a good thing so yeah um and plus i, I mean i'm not so into the zombie thing but motorcycle and motorcycle clubs and stuff like sons of anarchy is a sick tv show 
Um, I have a, I have like a weird interest in gang like motorcycle gangs and stuff. Like I have I a find weird that, interest in joining a gang. <laughs> not like <laughs> okay. Not like to join, but like the culture and 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 like how they operate yeah. kind of fascinating. So so we'll see if I enjoy it. I don't know. I'm I'm okay. not really planning to finish it. I know it's like not a small game, so I'm down to tend to check it out for you know. But, okay, good. I'm I'm glad. Yeah. I feel like. I felt like coming to this, I was hoping one of us would, um, but I'm glad you volunteered. Just, you know what it is, is, is it like I'm playing a lot of RPGs right now. Like I've, I've got to finish Sekiro. Like I'm playing, I'm in the middle of The Last of Us and this just seems like it would compete with those games. And while Days Gone doesn't look bad by any means, those two are like two absolute like S tier standout mm-hmm, games. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like I'll come off of those I'll either be coming off of those games or I'll be playing Days Gone instead. And then it's just going to be like, oh, I wish I was playing Last of Us, but you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I got you. I got you. Um, anyway, we'll let you guys know what we think about those games on our next show. Kate, why don't we switch gears and talk about our second news story for the day, which is a sad one, unfortunately. Um, the PlayStation Store on the PS3 and the PS Vita is officially closing this summer. Um, I think it's the PS3 is uh, closing in the end of August, and then the Vita will be closing at the end of July, I believe. So uh, we don't have too much longer with these these stores available to to download any DLC or like you know digital games at all, which is sad news, I guess. Um, I mean, it's got to come to an end at some point, though, right? You can only support the legacy systems for so long. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's unfortunate news. Um, as someone, especially that just got a Vita last year, there's still a lot of games that I'd like to, to pick up for the Vita. And I know like <laughs> getting, getting physical copies of a lot of these things are already really expensive because they're, they haven't been producing, you know, a lot of the physical games for quite a while. So I'm kind of getting that weird feeling where I need to go drop a hundred bucks at the Vita store to make sure I get everything <laughs> I want. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, at least you have the warning and you can do that because obviously like anything that you've already bought, you still have access to it. It's not like you're going to lose your Vita library and like you're going to have to like throw it in the garbage. Um, so. <laughs> well, I guess I better just throw this away. <laughs> Fuck it. Like. No, no. <laughs> so that's that's fine. But yeah, you just won't be able to like get in new content. So yeah, I guess buy everything. It is kind of a shame, but at the same time, it's just sort of the unfortunate reality of of how things go. And you know, they hope that maybe you've you've bought the next system, and which, in which case you have. So yeah, exactly. And, and like the PS3 is at this point, like I would imagine, based on like the PS4 sales numbers and whatnot, and especially now that the PS5 is out and you can get a PS4 for a relatively good deal. I I mean, I don't imagine there's still a ton of people playing consistently on their PS3 these days. Of course, there would be some and and whatnot, but but I think it kind of makes sense in that way. And then yeah, the Vita is, as much as it's like people really like the Vita. I guess maybe the Vita is kind of like Oddworld, right? Like there's not a lot of people that have one, but the people that do like really like it, like mm-hmm. like me, right? So yeah, I've been making a list. I'm like, okay, I still need to buy Persona 3 Portable. I Do I want to get the Ratchet and Clank collection on here? I don't know. Um, or what PS1 classics do I want to play on the Vita on the handheld? Like there's there's a lot of decisions I got to make going forward, Kate. I We'll see. Right. You're going to need some You're going to be doing some, some yeah. complex equations here, but yeah, um, you know, you'll yeah. sort it out and you got a couple months at least. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know what I am going to be doing is checking the store frequently to see if any of these games go on sale because I'll be... Uh, if not, I'll just buy them all at the end once I, uh, right. Once I, I, I imagine some of them, some of them will as kind of a, like, this is your last chance. Like, I hope so. I hope so. You better, you better pick up like Ape Escape 3. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. As long as I get Persona 3 Portable, I'm happy. Anyway. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see how much I end up dropping, but, uh, I think I might set like a cap of like a hundred bucks or something, you know, that, that sounds reasonable. 
Well, why don't we move along to our third news story, Kate, which is another success story for Sucker Punch. Um, They're making a Ghost of Tsushima movie, which I don't know if that's really surprising news at this point, because apparently uh, they're just making TV shows and movies for for every big Sony game. But yes, a Ghost of Tsushima movie is being made. Um, And it's interesting that this being tied to uh, the creator of John Wick or the director of John Wick, I think. Um, which is really exciting because the combat in Ghost of Tsushima mixed with maybe John Wick style action, like that could be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like this was, this is such a, a cool thing. And this adds, I don't know if you remember, but I had made in one of our um, prediction videos, I had predicted that we would be getting a uh, Sony cinematic universe. Wasn't that your, and, uh, yeah, that's right. Your, yeah, your predictions for so yeah. Ghost of Tsushima is obviously going to be one of the the main leads of, of this enterprise going forward so i'm very excited that we're you know we're moving forward on that um, but yeah genuinely it looks awesome like i watched the first john wick movie uh maybe about a month or two ago uh, i know i'm really behind i gotta i'm gonna watch the other the sequels yeah. oh, um, really good. Soon. um but i i loved it i was surprised i'm not a huge um gun action person i find gunfights are typically very boring because it's just a lot of like shoot shoot hide shoot mm-hmm, shoot mm-hmm. hide and like John Wick is is so much more than just gunfights, though. You know, like it's it's like hand to hand gun combat almost. Yeah, it's it's. I think they coined the term "gung fu," <laughs> which is <laughs> awesome. Um, but yeah, I, I love those movies. They were they were so exciting, um, and and so I, I like it. I'm I'm curious to see. Like my only small reservation on this is that obviously Ghost of Tsushima is very much that old school like samurai style. So. I hope, and I would be surprised if they didn't stick to that as well. Um, but it would be really cool to see kind of like a blend of of that old school samurai combat with the modern like action John Wick kind of take on it. So I think I have really high expectations for it. Uh, and if they they get the environments right with the the nature and then everything like the leaves all falling in the wind, like this could just be like a really beautiful movie to go see. Yeah, well, so well I, just judging from like the success Sucker Punch has had with it and, and the beautiful world they created and the obvious care that they, I mean, we spoke about last time, they, some of the people at Sucker Punch have been made ambassadors of the of the actual island of Tsushima. Like they obviously really care about this. And it just gives mm-hmm. me hope, like as much as it's not a sure thing that these these kind of movie TV projects are ever going to be released, like for some reason, this one with, with just the care that they put into it so far, like it's almost like you have no reason not to think they won't do this justice as a film also. Yeah, exactly. Like, I get the impression that, like, you know, this wasn't just a, like, oh, we can make a, some extra money on this. Like, sure, this seems like something they'll really, like, put their all into and, and do it really respectfully and um, also very, like, they're going to put their genuine, like, love and care as much as they did into the game into this movie, hopefully. Like, and, and that's obviously, like, assuming that Sucker Punch has a lot of control over it. I don't know. Yeah, well, they... Like, I have done a bit of reading. I think that some of the uh, executives at Sucker Punch are going to be producing the show alongside um, the films, whatever film studio is they're it. partnering with. So they're going to be working in conjunction, which is nice news to, to see. The other interesting part, too, is that um, Daisuke Suji, the guy that played uh, Jin in the game, is actively saying he wants to play uh, Jin again in the movie. Which is which is neat because usually the casting is like oh you know like is this guy really a good choice like why did they cast this guy as this like why don't they just get the the actual actor to do it like that's such a would be such a smart move in my opinion yeah that'd be I mean I guess it depends right because a lot of 
not all, but like some voice actors are exclusively voice actors, right? Like they don't, yeah, yeah, they don't do a lot of physical acting. So there's a disconnect there. Like in The Last of Us that they're working on, they I remember they announced recently that um, Pedro Pascal, I think, is going to be Joel. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I know he's known big from The Mandalorian. I haven't watched that. I always think of him as um, Oberyn Martell. So do I. Yeah. So do I. He's he's the Joel pick, and and obviously like the the voice actor for Joel is like a, a pretty well known. Well, he's number one, um, Troy Baker. Yeah, he's exactly like people know who Troy Baker is. So there's a lot of people wondering like, well, why didn't they just get Troy Baker to do it? But obviously, like, you know, there is not quite so simple. But I think it'd be really cool to see um, you know, the actual actor come back because it would just make it even that much more like this really is Jin, um, and it'll connect with the players, I guess. But um, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll see if that ends up coming to fruition or not. Yeah, you know what? Maybe in 2024 or whatever it is, we'll go to the theater and we'll do a, a review of, of uh, Ghost of Tsushima, the movie, after after we watch it. So we'll that would be see. so much fun. Yeah, <laughs> movie <would>. reviews. <laughs> you know what we should do? We should oh. commit to this now. Is like whenever any of these projects do come out, we'll have to watch them and review them on the show. I think that would be oh, great. Oh, absolutely. 100%. I, I'm in. Cool. Okay. Well, let's take one more break, Kate, and we'll come back. Um, I'm going to go do some study and get ready for my quiz here. So um, we'll see you in just a second after the break. Okay, guys, we are back for the third and final part of the show where we are making a return of the quiz. Um, back on the 22nd episode of the show, Kate, I quizzed you. I think it was just on some random game trivia and, and like facts and mm-hmm. hey, which of these sold better, which of these was this. So it was pretty fun. Uh, I had a good time, but I think I always prefer being the uh, trivia answerer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm looking forward you to like this. To, you like to be the, the quizzy, not the That's quizzer. Right. The quizzy, yeah. <laughs> I think I think that's that's typical of most people, but um, obviously to make that happen, one person has to uh, be the be the sacrifice to create the quiz. Uh, and I have done so for you this week. So uh, this time you're going to be taking a topical look in the world of April Fool's gaming. Oh God! <laughs> so I've compiled a list of um, just a, a brief look at some of the uh, more interesting standout April Fools. Uh, reveals that some some gaming studios have given us um but with the fun twist that some of these ended up being real okay well some of these remained as a gotcha april fool's Ooh, joke I'm so excited it's going to be this. up to you to decide if true or false this was real and uh, it is actually something you can buy today all right or in the future depending uh on if it has been released or not gotcha okay so, without further ado, let's let's get into it. Um, number one, Bethesda's time-bending death loop is coming to PS5 and PC next month. In their marketing campaign, Bethesda has nailed down a few key ideas for maintaining hype. Firstly, a memorable jazz track. Secondly, an eye-catching slick art style. And thirdly, understanding that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. To coincide with the game's release, alongside Fruit Loops, supermarkets will be stocking Death Loops cereal <laughs> so that you can break the fast while you break the loop. <laughs> Damn, okay. Um, you know what? Is this I, true or is this unfortunately that, a fool? <laughs> that can't be true. That can't be true. You know what? I, I haven't seen anything about that. Um, 
I I have to go with my gut and say that's false. You're saying but that's I hope a it's fool? True. I hope it's true, though. That would be cool. All right. So far, you're one for one. It is wonderful, but it is a fool. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I found it on Twitter actually this morning. And uh, it's like done up totally like Fruit Loops. It's wonderful. That's awesome. <laughs> um, unfortunately, no, no death loops. But uh, moving forward, question two. Kirby is an all-encompassing amphromorphous creature that can be anything his greedy heart desires. However, <laughs> Nintendo and Hal have decided the next step in Kirby's evolution is to become square instead of round. Oh, there's no way that's true, but <laughs> <laughs> but that would be awesome. Is that your final answer? It's gotta be. You're saying it's gotta this be. is a fool? Yeah, it's a fool. All right, this is a fool. It is fake, um, but in 2019, they actually made an official Square Kirby website. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got like pictures of him in his game in like his games like epic yarn and stuff but he's like square <laughs> but my favorite part it. about it is like i translated the it's just the japanese but i translated the page to english and there's like a big warning on it saying today is april fool's day the round kirby is the same as before so please be assured <laughs> just in case you saw that and you freaked out <laughs> oh don't worry nintendo i'm very assured right now you're very assured <laughs> Okay, so far you're nailing this quiz. Um, but can you get question three? In 2011, developers Pidgeo Nation released Hateful Boyfriend, a text-based mm -hmm. visual novel dating sim where you play as a teenage girl in your second year of high school. However, what truly elevates this gaming experience is you quickly find out that you are the sole human and your schoolmates and eligible bachelors are various types of birds. <laughs> oh, dear. Now, this one is the first one I have no idea about this game. Um, I actually do own this game. Um, you I think own it was on this? No, no, no. Let me back up. I don't own it. I think it was uh -huh. on PS Plus, right? Like it was, um, I think I have it. It was like a free I think you're Vita thinking of an Avery Attorney. You mean Avery you're Attorney? Yeah, I think you're thinking of Aviary. <laughs> no, 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 definitely I think not. I think the lawyer bird game, definitely which is not. a real I, game. Uh, you know what? Okay. I don't, I definitely don't own this. I either have it for free, like on Vita somewhere, or it's like, I've seen mm -hmm. it on the Vita store, whatever. Um, I say this is actually false. <laughs> I just got to say this is false. <laughs> this just sounds ridiculous. But the thing is, one of these has got to be true. You know what? No, I'm well, going to change it back. This is true. Are you sure? There's a few more to come still. Oh, how many more do I have? There are two more. There are five total. <laughs> you know what? No, this is this is false. It's too ridiculous. Okay, final answer. Final is a answer. Fool? Yeah, final answer. Oh, well, it turns out you're the fool. No. This is a real game <laughs> that you can buy. Oh, I know it's a real game. I just didn't know they were actually birds. <laughs> yes, they are actually birds. It Now, to be fair, this one's sort of a... It's not a trick question. It did start out kind of as an April Fool joke, and then they actually made the game. Um, so you, you can play this wonderful bird dating sim. Oh, uh, you can date a pigeon. You can date, I believe, a raven. There are many wonderful choices uh, for your for your new love life. All right. <clears throat> I'll be downloading that right away. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to number four. Despite the uprising of newer, flashier class-based shooters, Valve's Team Fortress 2 is still relevant and beloved today. This can be attributed to a dedicated community and to Valve's commitment to maintaining the second game in a series forever because they can't count to three. In, two <laughs> in 2009, Valve gave Team Fortress 2's sniper class a new weapon, 
a jar of jarate, which is a cute portmanteau of jar-based karate. Uh, it sounds pretty badass, but in reality, it's just strangely a mason jar filled with urine that you can throw at enemies to cover in said liquid, which has various gameplay considerations, such as making them more visible and more prone to critical attacks. Uh, okay, well, was this just a fool? <laughs> I love the creativity of whoever thought of this, um, but there's <laughs> no way this is true. <clears throat> I don't believe that... Um... Well, first of all, how would this be a thing? And then I would like, there would be so many news stories about like covering players in pee, you know, in, in team fortress. Like that's a horrible, horrible publicity story that I would imagine. So this has got to be false. Uh, final answer. It is a fool. Yes. All right. You are the fool again. <laughs> oh my God. This is true. What? <laughs> this is a real thing you can do in team fortress too. Now it was from 2009. So maybe that's why we've never heard of it. Like neither of us are really in the team fortress too. Scene, but what? apparently this is a real thing in the game <laughs> i am blo i have to actually actually look this up after the show that's crazy yeah gerade it is it is so good i had a lot of fun on well, the wiki page today gerade that makes sense but they make you cover players in each in your own pee well it's like yeah it's just like a jar of pee you like throw it and then if it like hits them the jar breaks and like what the it's like a yellow outline <laughs> it's so weird right that's the weirdest thing i've ever heard I'm gonna be it honest. is so. Although I've got to be honest, I really love your strategy of just everything's false. That's <laughs> <laughs> false for everything because they're all so stupid. <laughs> um, but it's uh, great. It's worked fifty percent of the time. So well, the thing is, though, the, the, fir the first two I was so sure of. These last two, like yeah. actually, I was sure of this one too. I'm very blown away. That well, last you one. have you have one more chance to see if uh, your strategy can carry you above 50%. <laughs> I, um, hope, so I hope. This is your, this is your last chance. Um, and per my personal favorite one, um, hopefully that says, uh, maybe it doesn't spoil it, but my, my personal favorite. Um, the PS5 has been a resounding success, assuming you could get one, uh, thanks in large part to its amazing controller, which was designed with a heavy emphasis on player immersion. But this is not a new philosophy for Sony. Now, as you know, I've been thoroughly enjoying The Last of Us Remastered. However, I will admit that the swimming controls do feel a little clunky. Mm -hmm, Sony mm -hmm. realized this is often the case. So in 2015, Immersion met Submersion with Sony announcing PlayStation Flow, a wearable technology that includes body sensors and goggles that allow you to play underwater sections by swimming in real life to control your character. <laughs> <laughs> is this true or is it a fool <laughs> oh man that sounds oh, man, indeed. also really ridiculous but could it have been announced and then hmm. you know what this isn't real there's no way there's <laughs> because think about it how are you about to take <laughs> these goggles and, like what are you gonna do okay bring your ps your playstation to the local pool and like plug it in well Okay, so I'll elaborate a little more because, you know, this is this is a hard, bit hard to stomach uh, and to picture, but you're playing on at home on your PS4, you're having a blast, and all of a sudden you get to a swimming section and you go, oh, well, the controller's not going to suffice. So <laughs> you save your game, you sync it up to flow, you head to your nearest body of water, uh, you, you don your flow gear, and as you get in the pool, you can see the game through your flow goggles. Uh, and you, you swim around <laughs> as if you're the character um, in the game. And then 
you know, you beat that section. You've had a wonderful workout. So suck it, Nintendo. Uh, this mm -hmm, is the best mm -hmm. way to be fit. Uh, and then, you know, you pack up, you go home and, and you've had a lovely afternoon. You know, Kate, that sounds really lovely. <clears throat> and I wish that was real because, I mean, that would be great. But there's no way that they're, that's that's real at all. Like those goggles you can see the game in, like, come on, that, that's like better than PSVR. Um, so, yeah, as much as that would be really cool, I, I cannot say this is real. Um, although one day I would hope it is. <laughs> well, turns out overall you are not the fool because <laughs> you God. are correct. Uh, this one is was a clear. There's no fucking way. But I just thought it was so funny. I had to include it. Do you know what, uh, what happened to me with with me with that one? Is like by the time you get to the end of this, I've been questioning like, oh man, have I been? I don't want to say like they're all just fake. And so part of me was just like, this maybe I should say it's real, just to like even out the numbers and whatever. But like, thank God, stick to your gut, folks. Like that, there's no way that's real. Don't fall for this kind of thing, okay? <laughs> that's right. Well, there's a few things we've learned. Is that um. You know, innovation is good, but sometimes it can go a little too far. Uh, and we've also learned that, um, you know, for those of our listeners who are in school, if you just stick to one answer every single time, you're going to get some questions right. <laughs> That's right. It's a good test taking strategy. <laughs> exactly. So next Seriously. time, you know, finals, finals are coming up. You're in your final, you know, you're taking your, you know, I don't know if people still do scantrons, but you're taking your test. You don't know what the answer is just a for every single one of them you're gonna be okay <laughs> take it from me and if, if they ask why you did that just say i listened to this great podcast you should listen to it too and this is where i got my answers from <laughs> well thanks for the quiz Congratulations. thank you very much I, I feel i feel good about that one that was a good quiz very pertinent actually too very timely for the the date um yeah happy april fools again everyone and um just before we close out the show though we will get into our listener mail question for the show um of course we answer one listener mail question every episode whether it's at the end um or sometimes we do a longer form discussion on them as well um but if you'd like to get in touch you can send your email to circles and squares pod at gmail.com just like our friend big mikesicle 420 thanks for the the great name there and who asks this um hello l r1s and l1s longtime listener first time writing in a question what is a remaster that you think is worse than the original? And what is a remake that you think revived a dead franchise? Please note the difference between a remaster and a remake. We would, I would adore your take on this. Uh, in brackets, no Final Fantasy VII remake, please. Yours truly, Big, <laughs> Big Mikesicle420. Uh, <laughs> thank you for your question, Big Mikesicle. Um, Kate, where do you want to start with this one? This is this was a tough question for me to think of an answer for, really. And I think it's just because I don't typically play a lot of remasters and and remakes. Like if I've already played the original, you know, like it's either usually one or the other for me. I don't double dip a whole ton. So it was fun to think about um, my answers for this. But but what about your yeah, experience? I, I'm, in, I'm in the exact same position as well. There are not many uh, games that I've really like played both versions um yeah most of it, i pick up a remaster like demon souls like i i i'd miss the original one so it's exciting for me to you know have a convenient way to experience mm -hmm, it and like mm -hmm. there's not many times where i've i've actually done a bit of both yeah um but it was really fun to think about yeah so maybe we can talk about our worst remaster first get the negative out of the way and then move on to uh sure yeah to the positivity of a revive franchise. let's do it let's do it um what's your remaster um, so my worst remaster, uh, and this one was, it actually came, I had so much trouble and then it just came to me and I was like, oh God, this is like the pinnacle of it. So I tried to play the, um, 
Final Fantasy Tactics, War of the Lions. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we, we know, long-time listeners will know that we love Final Fantasy Tactics Advance. It was one of our, like, it was one of the games the kids was growing up that we played over and over again. Um, we've both gone back as, like, adults, I'm pretty sure, and beat the game, and, like, it's just a phenomenal strategy game but it wasn't the first one um there was final fantasy tactics which i believe was on ps1 originally it was yeah and so much different they made than a advanced too yes quite different it had some different system it was it was generally similar in a lot of ways but it had some systems that worked differently and i was really interested in going back and in, in playing where the series started so they ported it to psp and also to ios so i bought on my phone the, I think it was like $10 I bought the phone version and it was one of the worst gaming experiences I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that sounds harsh, but it was, it was unplayable basically. Like, and the thing is like, I haven't played the original game and I, it has really good reviews and I could see that the game would have been good, but it was specifically the port that made it bad. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It was so like the game was neat and I was enjoying that, but it was just so slow to control. Like it was not scaled to the phone whatsoever. So like touching things was so hard to like actually select the right thing that you wanted. Yeah. Because the buttons were were so small compared to like the screen. And so like you'd be clicking on a unit to try to move them, but you'd be clicking on like the unit beside them by accident. And it was like, it did not register very well what you actually wanted to do, which is hard and very frustrating for like a slow paced strategy game because you know it already takes like an hour to do a mission which you can't save in the middle of mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you gotta have your phone open for like an hour trying to to do this and it's being slowed down by having to to re-click everything and then i also remember at one point like it's kind of like a top-down like um grid-based like tactics game yeah so um, you you have to like you click on your units to select what move they're gonna do for each turn, but the problem is is that you couldn't angle the camera or like turn it around to get different viewpoints. So there were a couple times I think I only ever played the first two missions because I just was so done with it. But in the, the second mission, there was actually a point where I got s- stuck because it was a character's turn, but based on how the battlefield was, they were like behind a tree. So I couldn't actually click on them because there was a tree in the way. I remember you (laughs) telling me about this. That sounds infuriating. It was horrible. I physically, like, after, like, having played half an hour in this scenario, could not progress because I couldn't click on this character to actually do their turn. It was just, like, there was a tree in the way. Like, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, that's... It It was so disappointing because I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to play this at work on my break. And also, you know, at work while I'm at work <laughs> doing my work. <laughs> and and it was just so unfortunate that the, the way that it was had been implemented in the control scheme just made it basically a nightmare to get through. That and uh, to this day, I've, I've never played what, what probably would have been an enjoyable game for me. Damn. That's that sucks. That's that's a better answer than what I got. Um, my worst remaster is is nowhere near unplayable like that. Uh, but it definitely wasn't great. And and I really had to rack my brain for like what was the worst remaster I've played. And I've, I I landed on the fact that it's Mario sixty four DS way back in the day on the DS. And not okay. that the not that the port was bad. Like I think it ran fine from what I from what I remember. And like I mean, mm-hmm. whatever. It's the DS, right? Like 
that you know what you're getting into. But the, the thing was, is that our, Mario 64 was, was designed around the N64. It was the first really 3d platformer, one, like the pioneer of that genre, you know, like, um, yeah, especially having 3d. It was the first foray into 3D Mario. Exactly, like 3D and even movement. And 3D in, in general, yeah. Exactly. So having that 3D movement and having the 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 new joystick on the controller was like the first system, a home console that had a had a joystick. So that was really cool. And I remember playing this game on the on the DS and just having a little bit of trouble controlling it because the the DS, of course, only had it was a four directional D pad, and so right. you lost a lot of the ability to make those kind of platforming platforming jumps that the game asked of you sometimes and and combined right. with that was also like some weird camera controls i remember like you have to recenter the camera using like l or something like that or um you'd push x to zoom in and out or x and y or something like it was just like using the face buttons for your camera and and this this four directional d-pad instead of the the joystick i i just remember it being like nowhere near as good as the original um just strictly based on on the hardware at the time so although they, i remember they added some like funny mini games and stuff like there was a luigi casino or something you'd play like blackjack so so the, those games were kind of fun like the the little additions there but not and mario right. 64 is still a good game but just the the control scheme just wasn't a fit um, yeah that's that's a little unfortunate especially too because it's such a precise platformer that like if you're having a little bit of trouble with the controls in a game like that it's going to matter a lot more than you know something that's more like menu based or like you know exactly, slower yeah. pace exactly so and it's that, not like that it's... can really yeah and it's not like it was the 3ds where you'd have the i'd imagine if you were to play that on a 3ds it would actually be a pretty decent port because you'd have the the circle pad as long as it as long as it kind of worked properly but on the, on the original ds now nah, that that wasn't it um mm -hmm. but kate i will tell you about i guess maybe let's let's do the positive side now the remake mm -hmm. that revived a franchise so i'm going to take this one in, in an interesting way for myself which is i'm going to say okay. um Again, thinking of the games that I've played, like the remakes that revive a franchise, a lot of these remakes are like games that are beloved because because why would you remake games that people don't really like? You know, like it's it's kind of a mm -hmm. weird thing to think about. But what I landed on was actually um, Ratchet and Clank 2016 um, was one for me. And I'll, I'll explain my justification is I don't think Ratchet and Clank has ever really been like a dead franchise, but it definitely um, it's it's known. Remember, for largely its heyday back like on the PS3, right? Like the original trilogy is really mm -hmm. where Ratchet and Clank has like the bread and butter and its best games. And, and I recently went back and I was playing like some of the PS3 ones, as you remember from, from previously on the show. Mm -hmm. And, um, those games, like, while they're, they're similar to the PS2 ones and, and you know, they're, they're not quite the same. And, and I really think that it wasn't until, um, Ratchet 2016 on the PS4 that, that they really had a game that was, um, I would even say better quality than the PS2 original trilogy. And just the way they remastered it, like it's it's a remake of the first game, but it's also tied with the the movie they released. And so it was revived the series in the sense that like it tied in with a, a non-gaming property, like still tied with the franchise. And and the way it kind of remade the first game, you know, polished it up and and then also added some new stuff to do with the movie was was a really good refresh for the series, I think and um refreshed it in that way and like that game is still so beloved today like like uh sony actually just patched it in I, I don't know if you caught this but on play at home like ratchet and clank was was obviously included as the next play at home game but they've actually added a, um a 60 fps performance mode into there now too like to this like five-year-old game at this point oh, that's awesome. and and so that's going to be really awesome to go back i, I want to play a little bit of that actually before rift apart um which ironically rift apart could also be maybe an answer for this one too even though it's not out yet just because it has been now 5 years since ratchet and clank so it, it's almost like my game I'm picking um ratchet and clank 2016 it like revived 
the franchise, but then also the franchise immediately died again afterwards <laughs> until <laughs> until this year. So I don't know. It's like it like maybe it revived it in some ways and, and kind of showed like, right. hey, this franchise still maybe, is popular. Maybe it's still like the 2016 one is what kind of led to Rift Apart. Yeah, definitely. Like being I, made right. Like maybe the yeah. success of that game and and showing that this older franchise can come back. Um, you know, contributed to to the final yes or no on on Rift Apart. So yeah, I think so. So so that's my answer anyway. Like I, I mean, there was it was still a gap. Like Ratchet and Clank has had a lot of games. Like even since two thousand two up until twenty sixteen, they'd only missed a few years. But but really, mm-hmm. like the quality titles hadn't really been since like maybe the late twenty tens or early twenty tens until Ratchet and Clank came out. So yeah, that's my answer. That's awesome. I, I like it a lot. Um. I want a slightly different avenue. I said that um, the Crash Remaster trilogy uh, is is kind of a ride franchise because you know those games, similar to kind of Ratchet and Clank, were were so renowned and so loved uh, when they when they came out. But then it was total radio silence on Crash for such a long time. Like there were some spinoff games. You know, we had the Crash like Team Racing, which which people really liked, and obviously our personal favorite Crash Bash. Crash like Bash. he's got a he's got a catalog of games, but like it was largely crash was done um and so they made the and i, I want to compare it interesting to the spyro remaster trilogy which i believe they're both are they they might both be toys for bob i think i think so yeah pretty sure yeah you did both so spyro came out and that was quite well received as well um but i feel like spyro's kind of just gone like fallen off like so he's a character people know and associate with playstation um but like you know they made that new spyro trilogy and then it's kind of like yeah i guess by skylanders right like what what's mm-hmm, spyro mm-hmm. up to now it's almost like spyro is tainted because of skylanders whereas crash is still his own property still here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like now in 2021 like we have crash like people are clamoring still for crash to be in like the next smash bros character and like we've gotten just recently um crash four which is like funny to, like it's about time like they even made a joke in the name of the title about like how long it's been from crash three to crash four uh and i think like very strongly that the the success of the remaster trilogy and people kind of like having their love for those games reignited made crash four like such a possibility and i think like old time fans are, are so excited to get the next entry as a and in addition like people who never played the originals maybe played the remaster trilogy and then went on to to be excited for number four mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so i i think it's awesome and like crashes is ironically one of the only games i remember actually playing as a kid and also i bought the remaster right yeah yeah well that's a good so. example then for you yeah, there so I, I think I think it I could see it as being a series that like you know maybe we will get five six, you know I think you they're think remaking so. the the racing game as well. So I think like crashes is, is is really relevant again thanks to to the success of this remaster. Yeah, no, he is. I, I actually CTR remake is already out. I I own it on PS4. Mm-hmm. And been, I think it did really well as well. Like people love that game. They do. It's hard as fuck though. I'll tell you. Like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the original CTR was hard, but this one. Right. It ain't, it ain't no Mario Kart. This one's tough. This one's tough. <laughs> Mario um, Kart's hard too, but I just you're oh, well. particularly good well, at that game. You know, you know, you do what you can. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyways, guys, uh, thanks for joining us on this lovely episode of Circles and Squares. Thank you all again for your uh, continued viewership and and any uh, listener mail you have in the future. Please, please write it in. We love to answer any kind of questions. And um, again, all the links are are down below in the description. You can find us on Twitter at C&SPod for all the updates of when we're recording. And we put out calls for questions on there as well if it's easier for you to do it than than emailing. So that's another alternative. But 
Um, I guess we will see you again in two weeks' time on episode 28. The intro and outro music for Circles and Squares was produced by friend of the show Matthew Chan. Interlude music is from Scott Gratton of the Free Music Archive. Our channel art was created by at Unreasonable on Twitter, and our brother Alex is the designer of the Circles and Squares logo. Thank you all for listening and supporting the show.